You're listening to Only in Seattle. So greetings to everybody out in Facebook land. Welcome to Only in Seattle podcast. Um, I'm your host, John Reynolds. And today on the Only in Seattle podcast, we'll be talking with a mortgage industry expert on a variety of subjects related to Seattle real estate, including how to get a mortgage. Is it a good time to buy, sell, or refinance in Seattle? Um, Will rates stay low this election year? How does Seattle's low inventory market affect getting a loan? And how to win a bidding war in Seattle's super competitive market? Uh, My guest has been a longtime real estate mortgage broker for many years and has successfully closed hundreds of loans maybe thousands <laughs> over, close to that close, close to that probably, probably getting close hundreds. to that yeah <laughs> uh, his borrowers are super loyal and you have a really good referral real estate agent base please welcome Dan Chaplin of Fairway Independent Mortgage thanks for having me Sean yeah, appreciate thanks it. so much for coming on and Dan we were talking earlier I think this is your fourth time on our podcast yeah and I've had a number of people hit me up and say, hey, I really like the podcast with Dan Chapman because most of our listeners are real estate related, whether you're an investor or a real estate broker or an appraiser, interest rates and what you guys do as mortgage brokers, bankers or lenders is super important to the industry. So you kind of giving us a feel for where we are. That's why we wanted to start out uh, our first podcast in 2020. Awesome. Well, it's very humbling. It's good Having to be here. a mortgage here. guy. Yeah. And you've always been a good guest to have come on and we can chat and just kind of yeah. talk about stuff. And we've been doing business forever. Yeah. So thanks yeah, so much for time. coming on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Dan, before we get into the nitty gritty of buying a home in Seattle market, why don't you give us and the listeners and the viewers yeah. a short background on your work with helping people getting finances. Sure. Well, um, I mean, this is my 19th year, so it's been a long time, seen a lot of changes in the market. Does that make you old or just experienced? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Both, old and experienced. Uh, I would say um, primarily, obviously, residential loans, um, purchase and refinance, um, and, you know, just helping people fulfill the American dream. It's a great part of Which is home ownership. Home ownership and investments if they want to be an investor because there's a lot of ways to build a nice portfolio for retirement. And unless you have a massive wallet where you can just reach in there and write a check for cash for real estate, especially in Seattle where it's so expensive. Absolutely. You're going to have to get financing. Yep. So they're going to have to reach out to somebody in the mortgage world. And that's why we like to have you on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah, good times. Okay. So you help people with the buying process. Is 2020 a good year to buy a home in Seattle? It's an election year. Right. Are rates going to stay low like they are now? Yeah. Is this a year you want to buy I mean, in Seattle? Rates are fantastic right now. I mean, we're, you know, in the mid threes on a 30 year fix, three and a half, three point six two five right now, um, you know, uh, with good credit. And um, I, you know, I think it's a, if you want to invest in real estate and whether it's home ownership and live there or you want to buy, be a real estate investor and rent it out or do an Airbnb. I think it's a great time. There's challenges, yes, um, but I think it depends on each individual and what their situation is. If they don't have a secure job, then yeah, maybe not for you. But if you've got a secure job and you're making money, you you should really consider it because you could build a nice you know nice wealth with real estate. I could tell story after story after story, not just about myself, but other clients of your clients that you've yeah. watched their portfolio grow. Yeah, real estate. Watch their equity position yep. grow. 
And that's something I've been working with my kids is, hey, just get into your first home, get into your first condo, just kind of get that going. And I think a lot lot of millennials are reluctant to jump in because it's so expensive. Yes. Especially in the Seattle market. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. So you think it's a good year? I do. I mean, rates are really low. You can maximize your buying power with with where rates are right now compared to where they were in, say, 2018. They averaged 4.5%, which... Oh, that's that's you know that's still really low, right? Historically, right? But they're even lower now, and um, I think this is going to be a very busy year in the Seattle real estate market. Uh, we'll get into that more, of course. Yeah. But I think it's what a great time. What kind of appreciation do you think we'll have? <sighs> What'd you guess? Oh, by the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we were appreciation for real estate. Yeah. I mean, what what were we last year roughly in King County? On average, I know it varied because of the p- different prices. Were we five, yeah, something? five. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was going to say four point eight. I believe. Yeah, I was going to say four point nine. So we we're right around there. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I think we're going to exceed that this year. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think we will, and especially, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with there's no inventory. That's right. So yeah. when something does come on the market, people are going to. There's a lot of people crazy. here. Yeah, a lot of people moving in. Yep. In, economy's booming. Same basics you know, we've been talking about. Yeah, forever. and so lack of inventory, low yeah. rates, it's lack a Lack of inventory and too many buyers. Yep. And you were talking about beginning of this year, the start of this year, um, having a lot of pre-qualifications. So yeah. not a ton of business, and we've had a right. slow, slow time, slower time on the appraisal end, on the Rumson Klein appraisal end. Yeah. But that's pretty standard for two weeks after the beginning of the new year. And another thing that's kind of interesting is like I had my best December in 18 years this last December. Wow. Okay. So that kind of shows you a little bit. It's yep. not just because I'm me, it's the market, you know. Right. And then January is busier than last year and February is busier than last year. A lot of pre-approvals in the last week. So I think it's going to be it's going to be a feeding frenzy again, unfortunately. I, it's it's tough it'll be tough if you're a buyer to get a hold yeah. of the property. Yeah, I just had um, Gunnar Hadley from Windermere on, a longtime broker that I've known for years. He used to work with uh, Nancy Glover. Oh, okay. Um, still awesome. does. Yeah. And we were talking about, I think we, I think it was Gunnar. If it's not Gunnar, sorry, Gunnar. Um, <laughs> we're talking about, is, 20, is 2020 going to look a lot like 2017? Yeah. And 2017, the real estate market was crazy. It was. It was nuts, especially here in Seattle. And what was his opinion on that? Um. I th- I'm going back, but th- my position is, yeah, it's yeah. going to be just that's like what I was, 2017. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the same exact dynamics. Yeah. So tell me, what happens to mortgage rates in an election year? In 2020, in November, we've got the election. Mm-hmm. What happened in 2016 so, around election So typically, uh, rates stay down in an election year until the election. Okay. Um, and I think we will see that this year. I think rates will stay down. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to go a lot lower than they're at right now, but yeah. I think we could see rates as low as 3.375 on a 30-year fix this year. Okay. Um, so under four. Definitely staying under four this year. 3.75. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's pr- you know, right now we're in between 3.375 and 3.875. So we're between there. Okay. So I don't think we'll go above that 3.99. You know, last election, uh, November 1st of 2016, um, obviously Trump got elected. Um, rates around that time were about 3.75. Um, he got elected, and within about a month, they went up a half percent. Okay. Um, there's many reasons for that. Investors putting money in the stocks, taking them out of mortgage bonds. The, right. the mortgages are traded on the bond market. Yep. So if money is coming out of mortgage bonds, usually the investors are putting it into stocks, right? Yeah. And so if they're doing that, that means rates are going up. 
if money's going into mortgage bonds, um, then rates are going to go down. You Do know? you think um, were institutional investors and all the Wall Street money, was that being placed in conservative positions? Until the election. Until the election. Exactly. And then people were like, oh my gosh, this guy actually won. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is, was yeah. that the reaction? That was a crazy and day, huh? Let's, hey, this is going to be four years of go-go yeah. time if yeah. you're in business. That's what they felt. Yeah. 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 And it really has. And it has, I yeah. I mean, Trump's, yeah. you know, he says some crazy stuff and yep. he tweets some just ridiculous stuff and <laughs> yeah. they've never had a president like him. Yeah. But the economy has responded super well. Yeah. He's a business guy. Yep. He's a ruthless 401ks business guy. 401ks are looking sweet right now. Hopefully they stay sweet. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, one of my questions was, are low rates here to stay? Yeah. That's um, something everybody always asks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, not here to stay, but I think for 2020 they are. Okay. I mean, it's, I mean, I just don't, I just One can't, it's time. hard to forecast a year out, you know, really hard. Yeah. You know, we could, we could hit that, you know, recession in 2021. They were talking it might come as soon as this, you know, this right around election time this year. Yeah. I think we might be staving off that and it might yeah. be 2021. We'll see. A lot of people were predicting that 2020 was the year the recession was going to happen. Yep. Um, yep. A lot of people that I know of specifically said it was going to start in September of 2019 mm-hmm. and kind of ease its way into 2020. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, on a national level, that might be the case and the numbers might be proving that. But here in Seattle, we're pretty insulated and we've just got a different market. It is different. Yeah. Than the rest of the yeah. country is experiencing. Yeah. The economy's booming here. Yeah. 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 And the, the appreciation we just talked about, you know, between five and six percent. The rest of the U.S. didn't see that. Right. They, the, the average of, of throughout the, the U.S. was, was less. 2.8? Yeah. I mean, because you got, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, all these countries thrown in the mix. And yeah. Texas, which generally appreciates slower. And yeah. Some they've, of those they've just got different economics. Yeah. Uh, but Seattle is just, I mean, it's rolling. It's really been crazy the last five years, huh? Yeah. A good, good place to be. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, so walk us through how to get a mortgage in Seattle. What does that look like? Or anywhere. Okay. We, we kind of focus on Seattle because that's where most of our listeners are and that's where our experiences are. Yeah. But this could be true of anywhere because getting a mortgage is, you know, yeah. it's a process that you can do online. What Give us kind of the broad steps of what that looks like to get a mortgage. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan, obviously, because of what I do is... is um, Provide education, especially for first-time home buyers, because about 33% of the buyers out there right now are first-time home buyers. So it's a large, it's a good chunk. Um, and um, I'm a big proponent of educating people up front, making sure they get all their questions answered. Um, you know, obviously we get documents from them, we get an application. So the application documents like W2s, pay So they're going to reach out to you. Yep. You give them the application. They fill that out. Yep, send them a link. They yep. apply online or on my on their phone here okay. um, with with our app, um, and then I send, and they can upload documents through the app. They can email them to me. I'll send them a secure link, and then we get that, and then we do the pre approval if it's a purchase, if it's okay. a refinance, and then we do like a you know analysis of their loan options, loan comparison. Obviously, once they're under contract and they bought a property, that's when the rate shopping and looking around or whatever analyzing is real important. Okay. Um, and then, you know, do, go, go over their options with them. Obviously, the most popular rates are fixed rates because they're so low. Um, and then, you know, making sure that you're not buying 
more than you can afford because you, you, you want your pre-approval to be valid, right? <laughs> you want it to be, uh, hey, yeah. I'm going to get approved, you know? So if I'm pre-approving somebody, you're going to get approved, you know? It's a good idea for the borrower to be able to actually repay that loan. Yes, yes. And there's a lot of people, and some people, you know, are smart. They don't buy to their max, you know? I mean, we can go kind of high in your debt-to-income ratio these days still. Right. You know? Live within your means. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, so, so you can afford to yeah. go on vacation. Right. Not eat or, mac and cheese. Or sock it away for a rainy day when rates aren't under 4%. Yeah. When your living depends on... Yeah, so I think rates. the whole picture, looking at the big picture and making sure you're... You know, looking at everybody's needs and, and what their wants are. And, you so, know. so they get pre-approved, then they get final underwriting approval, mm-hmm. and then what happens? So then they close on the mortgage. Yep. And then their lo- their mortgage, they're going to be making payments on that mortgage to a specific lender. That mortgage might get sold off. Yeah, a lot of times mortgages are sold. I mean, um, we service some of the loans we close, not all of them. Um, some are transferred to a new servicer or sold to a new servicer. Um, if it's a conventional loan, it's, it, it can be both, you know, serviced by us. Some are transferred to a new servicer. Uh, if it's a jumbo loan, you know, in King County, that is, that's, that's over a loan amount of 741, 750. Um, they raised the jumbo, you know, the con- conventional loan limits this year. They keep you know. marching up those. Yeah. Last year because... we were 726, 525. Yeah. This year we're 741, 750 in King, Snohomish and Pierce County. Yep. So any loan amount over that is a jumbo loan. Those loans all get sold to the jumbo investor. And the difference bank. between a jumbo loan and a conventional loan, run us through that. Uh, basic, basic difference is just jumbos. They're going to, they're not missing anything, man. They're going to dot their I's and cross their T's. All the paperwork is a little bit more. The lender is. Yes. And, and because it's over a typical conventional lending limit, yep. there's a little bit more risk involved. Yes, more it's risk. A higher loan, higher yep. loan amount, yep. typically on a bigger property. Yep, a more expensive property. So say a million dollar home. Um, and you don't have to put 20% down. Some people think you do on a jumbo, but you can put you know, 5, 10, 15% down depending on the loan, loan amount. Um, but I, uh, most people that are doing jumbo loans, yeah, the rate options are much better with 15 or 20% down. So that's what most people are doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're kind of running through this as if a million dollar home is normal because it kind of has become normal. Mm-hmm. Um, for all of our millennials out there, you have millennial kids. Yep. I have millennial kids. We're working with millennials here. That's the reason this podcast is physically It's actually live right, right now, now. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> if they're up to you yeah. and I... <laughs> yeah, we'd just be mm-hmm. recording on one of those old school black recorders. There you go. You know? Yeah. Um, but for all of our millennials out there and first time home buyers, how does somebody afford a home in Seattle with as expensive as it is? I think the median housing price right now in Seattle is $695,000, almost 700000 yeah. yeah. So walk me through the steps of what are you seeing out there? Well, um, I'm seeing a lot of them have good jobs coming out of college. You know, a lot of them going to college. How much are they making? Um, gosh, if it's in the tech industry, they could be getting a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollar job pretty quickly. That's crazy. A year, you know, yeah. it just depends. Um, yeah. But I have plenty of clients in their in their twenties. Is 20s. that crazy, or are we just old? Yeah, both. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I, I, incomes are definitely up, right? Um, in this yeah. area for the most part. So that helps in this area. Yeah. Yeah. But if you know, but not everybody's making that. Some people make five, six grand a month. Yeah. You could still get into a, a property at that. You just, you're not going to live in Kirkland or Bellevue. Right. You know, a lot of people are living on way less than five or six grand a month. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but you cannot f- afford a home in here, in, no. in, in Seattle proper. And when I say Seattle, I mean the big regional market of Seattle. Um, and I think yeah. that's why we're seeing so many people move further away to yep. further out markets. Absolutely. And you're seeing that on the, the mortgage end as well. Yeah. People moving to, you know, Tacoma or Olympia or, you know, Auburn, Puyallup, places like that a little bit further right. out. Right. And those are typically a 45-minute to maybe an hour-long commute on a good day. Yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah, into Seattle or Bellevue or Redmond, where all the good jobs are, where Microsoft, Google, and and everybody else is. Yep. Um, A question I've had fairly often lately is, should I pay off my mortgage in Seattle, Uh or should I take cash out and buy another home? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that is individual, you know, it's, it's based on your financial goals, you know, um, you know, when you get older, like, like me, you, maybe you want to pay off your mortgage, but you also want to invest a little bit too. I mean, I think investing in real estate for retirement is a great way to go. Um, because you, you, you know, you can't rely on social security and and just 401k in my opinion, unless you want to be real tight in retirement. So I think right. you need to have a real estate portfolio. So how you get the money for the down payment is depends. Can you save for it? If you can't, your savings Borrow account it. is your equity in yeah. your house. Yeah. Okay. So then if you take the equity out, say, say you take a hundred grand out of a, a $600,000 house and you owe 300 grand on it. Now you owe 400. Can you afford that payment living in that house? Yeah. If you can, and you can buy another house, put a hundred thousand dollars down and rent it out or Airbnb it. Yeah. You should do it because the return on it is going to be, I mean, you're paying, they're paying the loan down for you, right? And so they're paying the loan down for you. And then your your balance is going down. And like you said, 5% last year appreciation. You probably got some tax savings. Tax benefits. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So I- You do have maintenance. You do have depreciation. Yep. Yep. You've got stuff like that to consider. Yep. But uh, in our age demographic, we've got a lot of people who are like, you know what? retirement's probably another 10, 15 years away. Should I work on paying off my home? And then if you do, Mm -hmm. maybe you've got a million bucks sitting there in equity, just sitting there. Yeah. Is that a super smart move? I'm never going to tell somebody not to pay off their home. I think that's a great thing to do. If you can pay off your home, um, great. But you also also should be considering investing in real estate if you can handle being a landlord. If right. you, I mean, the thing is, you can hire a pri- uh, property management company to be the landlord yeah. for you. You just own the property. They're going to take 10% of your rent. Yeah, they're going to take gonna, about 10%. Yep. So you got to have some money to make that work. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think people forget about is when you own real estate, you're going to take that call in the middle of the night no matter what. Hey, your yeah. basement is flooded. Yeah. So what do you want to do? Whether it's you handling the call from your tenant or you handling the call from property management, you've got a major problem here. You need to deal with it right now. Yeah. You got enough properties, you're going to end up dealing with those. You are. And that becomes your stressor. Whereas mm-hmm. people in the stock market, eh, stock market crashes, yeah, that's a headache. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a headache. Yeah. So there's some give and take on the risk and return. Right. But the reward that can be if you buy, you know, we're talking, say, say you keep that house for 10 years. Yeah. You know, like my dad uh, bought a house across the street from him in Rose Hill in Kirkland. It's a, he, he's, he rents it. It's right across the street from his house. That house was 440 in 2012, I think it was. He said, Dad, what do you think about, what do you think about, Dan, what do you think, I, should I buy this house? I'm like, uh, if you don't buy the house, Dad, I'm buying it. So, yes, you better buy it. 
and he bought it, and the house is worth nine hundred thousand now. It's crazy, isn't it? So yeah, you know, and they've been paying the mortgage down. But for that him. is also we're in a bubble here. Yeah, I mean those that's a perfect that's not, a perfect story, right? Yeah, those numbers are not normal. Yeah, that's not a normal story. That's no. not a normal story. But yeah. even if it's half that and it's worth seven hundred, that's a pretty darn good ROI. Right. So take yeah. a, a typical twenty-five-year-old. Where are they in Seattle? Where are they buying? They you know most of them are buying condos, townhomes, yep. uh, for sure. Uh, are one they to two a bedrooms. Or one bedroom or two bedrooms. I, I'm seeing mostly one bedroom, two bedrooms. Yeah. Um, most of them can try to do a two bedroom because guess what? Their friend can rent that room from them for yeah. eight hundred bucks a month or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. So now their mortgage is cut down by. 35% yep. or so. But you can't use that income to qualify them. No, you cannot. Mortgage, good right? good point. They have yep. to qualify for the whole mortgage up front. And if they do a refinance, they can't use that income. That's right. Either. That's right. It has to be an ADU unit on the property, you know, right. a separate so unit. I, yeah, that, that one is, can I use rental income from renting out my room? Right, right, yeah. right. And the answer basically is no. Yeah, no. But now if you, if you have an additional... Um, property that's an ADU unit next to it and they file that on a Schedule C in the future, Schedule E, excuse me, on a tax return, we could eventually use that income. And an ADU unit being accessory dwelling unit. Yes, exactly. Those are becoming super popular because we're getting such dense development and zoning because we have nowhere to go. Yeah. The developers are literally on the appraisal end of things. We've seen 500 square foot lots. Yeah. That's the, the footprint of the lot that they're building on is 500 square feet oh my the size gosh. of this studio. That's insane. It's tiny. It's a little bit bigger yeah. than a two-car garage. Yeah. Two-car garage is usually 20 by 20. It's 400 square feet. Wow. This is not much bigger. Yeah. So I think I think it's a great way to buy. If a millennial can get into a place with an ADU unit, yeah. but I mean, it's not, it, they're hard to get, you know, but if, yeah. but you could build one if you can, if you can, you know, get the land, but yeah. that's one that's way. That's a little bit outside of the scope that's, that's of a, a millennial first time home. It is. It is. Absolutely. So yeah. condos are the best way to go. I'm right. seeing a lot of people rent their rooms out, even if it's a single family house because th- that they're qualifying for, for, but they don't want to pay that $3,000 mortgage. Right. They're getting some help. They're we're getting, seeing yeah. a lot of people with roommates. Yeah. It's, I mean, I know I've had clients that rent people. On, they'll put their on Craigslist and rent yeah. people. I would never do it, but people do it. If you have some control over the people that come yeah. through, yeah. it's becoming more normal. In other parts of the world, people do that all day long. They do. It's just that the American dream of home ownership dictates, oh, i got to have my own home and i I got to just, yeah. just me living in there with my dog. Yeah. <laughs> my family. My family and my dog. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. So we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, um, we've got super low inventory and that I think um, this is going to be another year similar to 2017. Yes. And in that, we had a ton of um, multiple offer situations on homes. When you went to buy a home, if you were a buyer, there was a massive bidding war on a lot of the the stuff, the mid-entry, the entry-level, mid-entry-level type pricing of homes. And so my question would be, how do you win a bidding war in Seattle from the finance end of things, from the mortgage yeah. guy? What can you do as a borrower or their broker, the real estate broker, to help win a bidding war in yeah. a super competitive market? Okay, so let's let's inventory is what you said, right? Yeah, this morning, inventory. This morning, I got, I got my video from Barry Habib, um, MBS Highway. Yep. He's a well-known expert on CNBC, and he's on TV, and he's got his own company. He said we are now at a 40-year low for inventory across the U.S. As so of, that puts us at 1978. They've only been tracking it for 40 years, so it's the <laughs> lowest of all time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so that kind of startled me today because I was like, okay, 
and our population is how much bigger than 1978? Yes, yes. Is it double? So he said the same thing that we're talking about right now. He said, we're going to have serious bidding wars and price escalations, yeah. especially in hot markets yeah. where, there's, where, where, where there's a big demand. Yeah. And so we know that. So he knows that. He's an expert. So it's no mystery. So, so um, I think we've got to, as a, as a mortgage lender, and if I'm working with a real estate agent, we want the client, obviously, to get their offer accepted the first time. Sometimes that's not going to happen because the client has to play the and, game. And by saying the first time, you mean on the first offer they make? Yes, yes, on the first house yeah. that they, they, they they love the house, they want it, okay? Yep. So they make, they make an offer. It's their dream home. Yeah. Dan, I got to have this home. Yeah. My real estate broker has made an awesome offer. We think we're going to get it. Dan, what can you do to help me get that? Yeah, so the real estate happy? the real estate broker will handle the, the you know maybe do an escalator clause, right? They can yep. do that. So so but as a lender, we we would want to get their loan approved up front instead of just your pre-approval. So I'm ta- I'm talking to all my real real estate partners right now, referral partners saying, "Hey, let's just go let's just go conditional approval on all our loans instead of pre-approval, which just means an underwriter has reviewed their income, assets and credit, signed off on that. They're done. They're approved. Now yeah. we just need to find a property within that price range that we approved them for. And then once they find the property, they can make that offer and they can be confident in knowing my loan's approved so I can go ahead and waive the financing clause because I've already gotten approval. Um, you know, that's one thing they can do. Okay. Um, the other thing would be, um, you know, I've always, I always call to try to get a hold of the listing agent representing the seller to kind of walk them through my approval or pre-approval and say, hey, I, I guarantee, this is why you should accept this offer. Yeah, and I guarantee we're going to close on time. You know, at Fairway Independent Mortgage, we do not close purchases late. I've closed all my loans on but time. They hear that from everybody. Yeah, they so, probably do. They, yeah. I have a personal guarantee that I back that up with. But and you they know, hear that from every loan officer. Yeah, no, there's a, it's so, a financial personal so Dan, guarantee. What makes you it's a financial personal guarantee that I don't mention on the air. But yeah, I do, I do, okay. I do back it up with a little bit. But you just did mention that. On the air. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never had to pay it. So that's a good thing. What's, uh, your, what's your guarantee? Uh, it, 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 if it doesn't close there, time, there's, there's. They got. There's some stipulations to it. Like I'm the, not going to hold you to appraisal this. has to come back, uh, you know, and, yeah. and stuff like that. But it's, um, I, I, I for if it's closed late and it's our fault, uh, I'll pay the seller a thousand dollars a day. Oh, yeah, wow, yeah. But there's three stipulations. You heard that here live. There's three stipulations <laughs> to that. The appraisal has to yeah. have no work orders, no okay. subject tos. Has okay. to come in on time. We, so we you set got a date some for that. Contingencies oh yeah, I got some contingencies. They're yeah. bulletproof too. <laughs> so, <laughs> but okay. anyways, so but the point is, is that you strive really hard to get a purchase closed on time because that is critical. Yeah. There's nothing. I'm on all the stream of emails on Summit Properties. Yeah. Offers. Offers at Simper Properties Northwest goes to me and my office manager and it gets archived. Sure. So I see this stuff. When when a deal is about to go past its closing date, it's not good. there's a flurry of emails because people are like, what is going on? Sellers selling their house. They need the money yeah. to buy another house. Moving trucks coming. Effect. They're moving their stuff yeah. out. They're moving to Florida. And oh, hey, yeah, we need to extend this loan out Ugh. or this closing out. That's not a good thing. And so sometimes as the managing broker, I get involved and it's uh, like, hey, what's the deal here? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. What's the problem? Because people freak out. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars on the line. Yep. People's, you know, are moving in for jobs or moving out for jobs. They got kids going to school and it's your fault or it's my fault. Mm-hmm. 
because we didn't get the deal closed in time. Yeah. So yeah. So we don't want that to happen. No. So we want to we want to get past that. The the the, the you know from a, outside the financing standpoint, in some ways, the the buyer has to make a solid offer. So that's that's their that's their job is to work with their agent to make an offer that they can afford. They don't want to overpay for the property, probably right, but they want right. to get. You know, but it's not a buyer's market, so you're not getting a deal. You know, do you want the house? You know, yeah, you're going to have to make some sacrifices, yeah. and that's what I work with my uh, Summer Properties Northwest brokers on. Is that you have to work with your mortgage broker because if you are in an escalation situation where you're offering 400, but you're going to go up to 450, yeah, can your borrower afford 450? And was he go like this? And was he pre-qualified, <laughs> he or she pre-qualified for that higher number? Yeah. Because if not, yeah, you've... That's where you got to be in communication with the, the realtor and your client, you know, the buyer. Right. So communication between the mortgage broker, the borrower, and the lender yep. is super critical. Very important. Yeah. Yep. So we've talked about how there's low inventory here in Seattle. Does that make it... Um, any more difficult to get a mortgage in Seattle? Are mortgages hard to get in Seattle? As far as approval, else? it doesn't. It's just okay. a matter of, you know, like like you get all these pre-approvals in, right? And then say you've got 10 clients that are pre-approved. Well, it may take a while for all of them this year to find a house. And some buyers might get like, they might get burnt out and just say, okay, I'm going to rent. You know, so that's why we want to try to get as many items in their favor to get that offer accepted up front um, and then sometimes you're not going to get it some cash investor is going to come in and they're going to go oh i'll pay an extra 50 grand and i'm paying cash or 100 grand what's the most offers you've had a buyer or a borrower make i think um that that you want a one buyer you mean yeah that oh made yeah, yeah yeah okay i get you i get you made another offer. Ooh, i want to say five or six it's right around five or six yeah. in 2017. I think um, we had one go maybe 18 go to 12. That's a lot. That's patience. Yeah. Yeah. After offer number nine, oh. I'd, I would be like, I mean, yeah. on, on that number 12, you'd be like, yeah, right. Boy. And that really yeah. is working real hard too. Oh. I mean, they're showing all these houses, writing yeah. all these offers up. That's tough. Yeah. It was, it was first time home buyer and it's entry level housing. Yeah. That's tough. And, I've, I've, and I think they started out in a much more competitive market and had to yeah. work their way either north or south. I can't remember. I just remember my client, it was five or six and it was just such a happy moment. And they were so happy, just super excited and relieved, and were like, "Oh, it's so, it's done. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna own a house." Right. So it's pretty cool when it gets yeah. done. Yeah, people get really excited because it used to be that you made an offer on a house, and you were probably the only offer out there. Maybe there was one other in a normal market. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, normal market the house is in the market for four to six months. Woo. Four to six months. Now we've got homes that sell first day on the market. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So four to six months, we haven't seen that kind of marketing or marketing. It's time. it's 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 more of a seller's market this yeah. year than it was last year, even. Yeah, and just because there's no homes for borrowers to look at. Yeah. So and there's there's super strong demand. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to get their home purchased before the election happens. Good uh, call. Just you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah. 
We have a good idea. Yeah, we have a really good idea. Yeah. And I think the markets are going to react that way as well. Yeah, I think so too. Because, um, but last year, I mean, that, I mean, not last year, but last election, that kind of came out of nowhere. That did. Everybody said Hillary's going to win. Yeah. And, yeah, and everybody was shocked. Yeah. yeah. So I had just flown in into Maui because that it happened, the election happens right around my birthday. My birthday is November 7th. So I had just flown into Hawaii, into Maui. And so I, so Maui was five hours behind uh, Washington, D.C. Yeah. So I was able to follow all of that election process until like um, 3 o'clock in the morning because it was only like yeah. 10 o'clock Noon. my time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was like, yeah. wow, did that Midnight, just yeah, midnight, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. crazy. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see that this year, though. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a big surprise this year. I don't uh, think so either. Yeah. Um, if you are a buyer or first-time home buyer. What is the number one question to ask your mortgage lender or mortgage broker right now? If there's one question somebody should Ooh. ask, what's that top question? Yeah, I mean, uh, gosh, the top question for me, if from my standpoint, it would be, um, you know, am I purchasing to, I mean, because based on my income, and your financial goals for that person is my payment or the house I'm buying, in your opinion, too much? Because I'm, I'm like, a, I think of myself as like a financial planner, mortgage advisor, and I, it drives me crazy when somebody buys and they're going to the max. Like, say they're they're going fifty percent or forty nine percent on their debt to income ratio on a conventional loan, and they're going to do that, and they don't. They're not going to so run out of half their income is going to go to mortgage payment and yeah. other consumer. Yeah, I, I want my clients to be able to save money, have some put some money aside. Have a life. I mean, not just get a mortgage, but yeah. I mean, yes. The, the 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 caveat is: is my loan going to get approved, Dan? Am I is this pre approval really good? But yeah, that's kind of step two question to step one. In my opinion, Are, am I over? Am I going to pay too much? Am, you know, am I, is my payment going to be too much? In your opinion, not everybody asks me that. They just go, oh, uh, what can I get approved for? What's the max? And I'll say, well, this is the max, what the guidelines say, but what is your payment comfort level? You can get a $3,000 mortgage, but maybe you don't want one. Maybe maybe you want $2,500. What's your payment comfort level? You know, so, kind so the of, number one question you should ask your mortgage broker or mortgage lender right now is, should I be taking out this loan? Yeah. Or can I repay it? Does it make sense for my lifestyle and my goals? I mean, I think that's a good. That's that's one of the questions I definitely would. Well, number one, there's a few. I mean, I'm, I, there's there's a few I could think of, but that's definitely one of that's, them. Yeah, that's yeah, that's one that you would ask. Absolutely, I, I yeah. kind of look at it from a financial planning standpoint. Right. Something we hear people talking about is buying down their interest rate. Why would I buy down my interest rate? So buying down an interest rate. Um, Typically in a low rate environment like we're in now, you know, in the mid threes roughly, I'm not a big fan of it because... And maybe explain to us what that means. Okay, so buying down your rate. Say you want to buy down your rate a quarter percent. So you want to go from, say, 3.625 to 3.375. Make it simple numbers. I can't understand. Okay, three and a half. Three three and a half. Three and a half to three and a quarter. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, And three and a half... Buying it down a quarter And three and a half, there's no extra fees to get that rate down a quarter percent. But to get it down a quarter percent, it might cost you, let's say, not one percent. It's not going to be that much. It'd be maybe half a percent. 
Um, half a percent of the loan? Half percent of the loan amount. So if it's a $500,000 loan, $2,500. Is it worth $2,500 extra dollars to, to lower your payment, say $50 a month? Over the course of the next 30 years? Yes. So you're going to need, then that's where I would do a loan comparison. And it would, it, the loan comparison between the two or three options that say I put in there would show um, how long it would take for them to make up that cost difference. And if it's over five years, I typically don't re recommend buying down the points um, because it, it's the average life of a mortgage loan these days is actually right about five years because people sell, they yeah. refinance. They move on. They move on. Rates are super low right now. Get a divorce. So, yeah, they, get a divorce, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not a big fan of it unless okay. the seller says, I'm going to pay you $10,000 in closing costs. I don't want to reduce the sales price, but I want to pay 10000 in closing costs. So, so your answer would be no based on the fact that that person may not have that loan for the next five years yeah. or whenever it is that makes sense yeah. to buy down that rate. Unless price. the seller's giving them a big credit and they don't want to waste it. Then yeah, go ahead and buy it down. Okay. So if a seller is giving you, at the time you're buying the house, if the seller is giving you a big credit and you need to burn that credit up, yep. meaning, meaning you need to use that credit up, yep. one option might be to buy that interest rate down. Yep. Um, you know, a couple of years ago when rates were a little higher, early 2018, you know, rates were four and three quarter roughly, um, people were wanting to buy down the rate. And so they would get, instead of reducing the sales price, which the seller usually doesn't like to do, and, and it hurts cops in the neighborhood, right, as an appraiser. So um, they would say, hey, we'll give a ten or $15,000 credit. And, um, you know, of course, there wasn't a lot of those in 2018. But then that you could buy down that rate a half a point or whatever, you know, half percent. Okay, because it made sense. And, and rates were higher yeah. then. Rates were upper 4% range. So Right. Different, different market. Totally. Right. Yeah. So not a big fan of it usually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So everybody either watching this podcast or listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, they know that if they're in the Seattle market, they can come to Dan Chapman, a fairly independent mortgage to get their loan. That's right. If they're Happy not to help in you. this area, how do I choose a mortgage banker or how yeah. do I choose a mortgage broker? Yeah. What, what, what would you um, I guess I would say my number one way for me personally and then for business that I get to me is a referral from a family, friend, or a business person, you know, like a real estate agent. Somebody that you trust and respect. That's right. Somebody that you trust and respect because they could say, hey, I use this guy, you know, I use Dan Chapman, and the experience was great, and they closed on time, and the rate was very competitive. Give them, you know, that's the number one way, no doubt. You go to, you go to a doctor to get a procedure done or get your teeth done at a dentist, you know, that's usually the way, hey, you're, you're going to ask, hey, who did you use? You're that, you know. Now, there are people that look online and that is, that is another way, you know. There are people, I get a lot of people finding me, like you know, on Yelp and Google and uh, people will look at the reviews. You know, I use Yelp a lot for restaurants, but I don't typically personally use it for anything major. Um, I ask people. Referral. Yeah, I will get a referral for somebody, and then I will look them up on Yelp. Absolutely, yep, to, see to what verify. Their look like. To verify, yeah, yeah. If Validate. it's something like I need to get an oil change and my favorite place just closed down or whatever, yeah. I will do that on Yelp or Google. Yeah, but yeah. for the biggest investment of my life, yeah, I'm probably going to ask around, and that's what I always recommend. Yep, to all my summit brokers is, hey, 
if you don't have a typical mortgage guy, this is who yep. I recommend. Yep. If you don't want to use him, make sure your borrower gets a referral. Somebody that you really trust and yep. that you know has had good history with somebody else. Yes, exactly. That's the number one way. Because otherwise, you just I do don't not know. recommend you know online lenders and things like that that specialize online. They're they're usually their loan officers are very inexperienced, and if you look up their license, most of them have been in business for less than a year. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, not to say that that is a sign that they're not good at their job. Right. Just they don't have a lot of experience. Right. And everybody's got to get a start somewhere, and you yep. got to pay your dues. But if you have the option to go with somebody with a little bit more experience, yeah, you're probably going to take that for sure. Yep. Yep. Another question that always pops up, and it's kind of this mysterious thing. People understand how real estate brokers get paid because it's on the HUD yeah. statement. And it yeah. kind of is for mortgage uh, brokers too. But how yeah. does a mortgage broker get paid? Yeah, so mortgage brokers, um, I mean, I mean, obviously we're a direct lender, so we're kind of like a mortgage banker. So a mortgage broker, which we also do, um, we can do both, which I think you know. Maybe explain that. Super quick. Uh, mortgage mortgage banker. We're we're underwriting the loan at Fairway, not some not giving it to another lender to underwrite. Okay. We're drawing the docs. We're funding the loan. Broker, they're doing all that. So those are the differences. So uh, I like for instance, we get paid. Um, it's a it's a fixed percentage of the loan amount, no matter what rate we lock. So it's our best interest to lock the client at the best rate. We our our compensation is the same, and the and the loan closes. Whereas a mortgage broker, their compensation is also similar to that way, but it's predetermined with the company that they do the loan with based on a percentage of the loan amount. And that will, that will say the mortgage broker's compensation will show on the closing statement. Whereas uh, um, like us, our compensation will not show it because the borrower is not paying it. It's not borrower paid. It's actually paid when we close the loan. We're selling the loan most of the time. Um, sometimes we're not selling it, but most of the time we're selling it. Is it is it the compensation roughly similar? So I know people throw out like one point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good gauge. One percent, one point is about 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 what it is. So five hundred thousand dollar loan, yeah, five grand. Yep, yep, but it's not costing the borrower that. It's not costing them that. But that's that's how we get paid. Um, it's kind of built in from the standpoint of it's part of that loan. That's package. actually just loan officer compensation, though. So that's just okay. that's not lenders. Lenders as yep. a company. Yeah. I mean, Fairway would go out of business if that was the case because they they'd be paying me all the money. <laughs> okay. So you know. Explain. Yeah. So, so, so they're making money when that loan is sold to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac buys all these conventional loans, right? So we, they're packaging it up. And we might sell. Fairway might sell them one in one month. $500 million worth of conventional loans or a billion dollars. I mean, we did $39 billion last year. So Fairway might sell Fannie Mae in one month, 1 billion mortgages of conventional loans. And some of those may be serviced by Fairway. Some may be serviced by um, Dovenmule. They're a big loan servicer. Senlar, big loan servicer. Um, some of them will say Fairway on it, you know. So is that that's that's... That's the it's that's the business. That's the side that I don't really deal with, to be honest with you. Right. You know. Okay. So typical loan officer, if we were to, in the minds of a borrower, somebody who hasn't been through the loan process, where's the money coming from? What's it look like on a five hundred thousand yeah. dollar loan? One percent. Yep. Five grand. Yep. Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. It's not coming from them. It's coming from when the loan is sold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you get you don't get compensated when the deal closes, is that correct? 
I I get comp I get I get paid um, usually within a couple of weeks after the loan closes. A couple of weeks, yeah, because you are a mortgage loan banker. officer. Uh, yeah, I'm a yeah. mortgage banker. Yeah, right, yeah. right. A mortgage broker, you might get a check right away because you, you own check at closing. Kind yeah, of like it's real kind of like agent. a real estate agent. Yeah, so yeah. real estate agents make about three percent, but yeah, what? <laughs> <They do? laughs> they might make a little more money per transaction. Right. But you can do a lot more transactions because you've got the refinances yeah. coming, yeah. you've got purchases, and you've got hopefully, yeah. and like I said at the beginning, for sure, for sure, we're doing refinances. you mortgage of uh, real estate agents bringing you business. Yeah, for sure. And that's yeah. your repeat yeah. business. I mean, if you, if, you, if, if you can do 10 loans a month in my business, you're making a really good living. Right. And if you do 10 closings as a real estate agent, you're crushing it. So yeah. that, I mean, that would be, that's really hard to do. Yeah. Very hard. That's as a, a lot of As work. a realtor, if you do two transactions a year, I mean a month, excuse me, 20, 24, 25 a year, that's a very good living. So yeah, yeah totally different. Yeah. 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 The, the pay, the pay schedule and obviously the, the points are different yep. and the amount of work it takes per transaction. The, yeah. And the scale of business is wildly different. All right. So we are going to enter into the lightning round of questions now. Just a handful of random stuff. Yes. That outside of real estate. Okay. Because it's not all about real estate. That's right. It's just about Seattle too and what we like to do. Yep. So Dan, is mankind alone in the universe? Oh. Woo. Yep. No. Okay. (laughs) All right. So you believe that there is life out there, not on Earth? Oh, aliens? Yeah. No, I don't. No, no, I don't. But you, I just asked. But there you, could is be kind alone in the universe. Um, just talking like there. I believe angels. Do you think I we believe... are the only species in a billion planets that could support life? Ooh, yes. Really? I think so. Other than like angels and demons, because I do think okay. that that's real. But what if they are just part of a different uh, solar system space or, or yeah? They, I mean, I don't know, man. It could be, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go with my gut and say no. No, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Let's move on to another question. Yeah, not quite as existential. Yeah, yeah, you go. Oh, Vodka I like that word. I like that or word. Or whiskey. Oh, whiskey, whiskey, baby. Okay. Yeah, whiskey's got good flavor. A lot more, okay. a lot more flavor. I don't drink either. Yeah. So. Well, you know, in Montana, whiskey's pretty big. Okay. Yeah. Is that that kind of almost Midwest? Or that's that it's mountain kind, thing. kind of a western mountain western, thing. Western, yeah. yeah, kind of a western mountain thing. I don't know. Yeah, the old, the cowboys from from the west. They didn't if you have a good old yet. fashioned, you know, I wasn't into yeah. old fashions until about a year ago. But if you have a good old fashioned, they, those are those are good. And you just you know you just you don't drink a lot of them because they're strong, right? You have one or two and you're done. Okay. You know, right? It's, it's yeah. strong. And you sip it. You sip it. You don't guzzle it. Yeah. If you <laughs> yeah. if you guzzle it, you're gonna have you're gonna be in, in AA pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, you're just not gonna feel real good. No. Yeah. <laughs> What is your favorite Netflix show to binge on? Ooh, I mean, I mean, uh, I would say lately it's been Peaky Blinders. But, oh yeah. But Peaky Blinders, yeah. um, I'm waiting for season. I think it's five to come out. Yeah. And season f- four was like I want to say six or seven episodes. So I was done okay. with that in a week. I think I got through four seasons of Peaky. Blinders. Peaky Blinders is good. That is a violent. It is violent show. <laughs> that is. It's cool because the guys used to be veterans in World War One. For, and they fought yeah. for the British, yeah. but now they're they're uh, now it's it's been, it's been during prohibition, so they're 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 bootlegging at whiskey and yeah. and gin and stuff. And then if you mess with them, you're you're in big uh, trouble. Yeah, that's a wild show. Yeah, now they've just had some new episodes get or some new seasons. Get yeah, released, and the acting's really right? good. I think the acting's really good. It is. Yeah. Yep. 
What's the best book you've read lately? Um, I've read a few, but I'm going to go with Relentless by Tim Grover. Okay. Uh, Michael Jordan's personal trainer, Kobe yeah. Bryant's trainer, Dwayne Wade's trainer. Okay. And it, 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 I, NBA I can, stars. For yeah, those yeah. I mean, you could look at it. That book is, uh, you can look at it as a business book too, as how you're going to do business. Okay. But also personally in your like life and in, 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 in what you do and what you don't want to do. And you got to draw lines. Hey, I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do this and you can't stop me. Okay. You know, so if you got goals in business and life or whatever, relentless is you're, you're relentless to get there and nothing can stop me. Okay. So I think it's a good book. You should read it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I will definitely. What about you, Sean? Let's relentless. talk about you. Yeah. I Big have one rock more question. Oh, yes. For you. Yep. Um, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin or Slash from Guns N' Roses? That's a tough one, man. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go Slash, Guns N' Roses, because it just brings back great memories of back in the day in high school. Yeah. Getting ready for a football, high school yeah, football game in the gym, yeah. burning up some, you know, welcome to the jungle. Well, welcome to the jungle. While we warm up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the awesome. guitar, the guitar shreds in both those guys is just out of this world. Yeah. yeah. No, they're both amazing guitarists. Yeah. So your turn yes. to ask me a question. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go in two questions. Netflix, sure. Ben Show, the yeah. within the last two years, what's your favorite? Just, or Amazon. Uh, went through, never really got into Game of Thrones first time around yep. when it was on. Just got through binging all of that, all yeah. eight seasons. <laughs> and that was fun. I yeah. still don't understand most of the plot. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, yeah, it is. It is. It, it, you have to pay, pay attention. attention for sure. Yeah. It's a great, one of the best series I've ever seen. Yeah. I actually went back and watched season seven before season eight came out to refresh my memory. Okay. So I saw that twice. Okay. And it helped me with season eight. I watched them all within, I don't know, I think a month and a half or two month period. Yeah. I still didn't understand. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's wild because people are starting to name their babies and pets after those characters. Mm, yeah. 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 It's yeah. crazy. But yeah. okay. One more question. Cause yep. you're a big rock star, yep. rock yeah, guy, musician, music, yeah. music guy, best concert, um, that you've ever been to in your whole life. Yeah, and that changes, I would say, from a show standpoint, I would say the Rolling Stones this past summer okay. at CenturyLink. Really? That was an epic, epic wow. show. It'll be the last time the Stones Even that comes, old, know. they're still killing yep. it. Yeah, and then, you know, from a nostalgia standpoint, uh, Neil Parrott from Rush just died. Yeah. And he was a drummer, and he's probably yeah. one of the best drummers ever in rock history. And uh, so the last time I saw them um, in Seattle, you know, you have some of those memories. I saw yeah. them in Seattle, and then I also went up to Vancouver and saw them there. I saw them twice on that tour. Oh, wow. Because I'm a big Rush fan. They were that good. And so, you know, to see... It, and so now, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that was a great concert, because I will never be able to see Rush again. Yeah. Because one of the three members... You think about that when rock stars pass yeah. on or athletes pass on. Yeah. You're like, wow, I'm glad I got to see him or I'm or if you didn't you're like oh man I never got to see him I had I did a couple of posts saying rest in peace yeah yeah and I had people saying I really wish I would have seen Rush live and so one of my things now as a semi-mature adult yeah (laughs) is to when I when somebody comes to town yeah that I like and I haven't seen live before and they've been around a while and I'm a big fan. Yeah. I'm going to go see him. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go see Kiss at the Gorge. Yeah. This, I think, summer or... Oh, wow. Uh, Are they going to the Gorge this summer? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm always over at the Gorge for Dave yeah. Matthews for the three-day weekend on Labor Dave weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah, But yeah. Kiss at the Gorge would be a great show and a lot oh, of yeah. fun. Um, but when, I, when a, a band comes to town... Go see them. Yeah. Because in rock and roll, you don't know if those guys are going to come around again. 
And sometimes it's life, sometimes it's the yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, for um, sure. But take advantage of, you know, what, what we have here right now. Yeah. Go see him. I agree. I so, agree. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you've got a, this podcast won't come out until after you've done your event, but you have got the American Warrior Initiative tomorrow at yeah. uh, the winery uh Januik? A Januk or a Januk? Januk? Something winery like that. In it's Woodville. in Woodville, Januk Winery. Tell us a little bit about that. Event. So um, that's put on by Fairway Corporate and okay. our branch here in Kirkland. We're ho- we're hosting it. Yep. Um, there's probably going to be, um, I, I mean, there's going to be a fair amount of agents there, so it'll be really good networking. Okay. But it's a four-hour CE course. Continuum education. Uh, Continuum education put yep. on by our charitable arm, American Warrior Initiative. Okay. They will be giving away a police, not a police dog, but it's like a dog to a veteran. Okay. A service animal. They'll be giving one away to a veteran there at the end. Okay. Um, there's a guy there that um, it works for Fairway that w- wrote a book called Outlaw Platoon named Sean Parnell, bestseller. Oh, um, yeah. And um, he has some amazing stories. He's going to be speaking. But there, the, 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 the four, it includes lunch. It's 30 bucks, um, four hours of CE credit. Okay. And there is still some space available. So if you go on my Facebook page, Dan Chapman Loans, okay. you'll be able to see the post and RSVP there. Um, but it's tomorrow from 9 a.m. to okay. 1 p.m. Tomorrow being Thursday, January the 23rd. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a very interesting event, but it's all it, it'll teach realtors today the 23rd, ways but... to serve veterans through real estate transactions and help them get homes. Okay. And um, it'll talk a little bit about VA loans and things like that, of course. And right. What, you know what you can look out for because it's a veteran. Yes, it's a it's a it's a it's a veteran event, charitable type. Exactly, type deal. exactly. So they're not soliciting charitable donations, by the way. They're not okay. doing that, but it's it's to help people. if people want to help. It's out. four hours of CE credit, so you get four hours out of the way. You get That's a nice cool. lunch at a winery. Yeah, that'll be a fun event. Yeah, so if people cool. want to want to check that out, they go to your Facebook page, Dan Chapman, Fairway it, uh, Independent. Yeah, mortgage. Facebook, Dan Chapman Loans. Yep. Yep. And is that where would they, if they want to contact you regarding getting a loan, either a, maybe a possible refinance or a purchase, is that a good place for them to start? That's a good place or just my website, danchapmanloans.com. Okay. Okay. It's my name, e- loans. Either one of those yep. would um, work. So Dan, thanks so much for coming on to the Only in Seattle podcast. Um, I look forward to making some more videos with you yeah. down the road. We've made a handful of videos um, already, people can check them out on the Summit Properties Northwest face uh, of the YouTube channel, yeah, and, and also our Instagram. We've got a lot of content out there, and you and I have made—I don't know—a lot of a, a lot of stuff over the last few years. You guys yep. have a great YouTube page you, and presence. Yeah, well, thank you so much, and you've got a strong um, social media presence as well. So that's like why we like having you on because we're kind of on the same page. Yeah, for so. sure. Okay. Well, Dan, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And I just wanted to say thank you to uh, the people that make the podcast happen. And we've got uh, Darian Dunstan. He's our social media manager. And he kind of puts on, um, he handles all the equipment along with Nikki Smith. He's this producer. He sits at the control panel. And then Tristan runs kind of camera angles and takes a bunch of photos. And uh, Tristan and Nikki are both video editors and videographers. So that's their background. And these guys do a great job. I am literally just the talking head here yes. on the Only in, <laughs> in Seattle podcast. So thanks again, Dan. Look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, guys. And thanks to all the listeners out there and viewers on uh, YouTube and Facebook and for the live for sticking with us to the end. Thanks so much for watching. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks, 
forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.